Once you've found it, if you're able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. This is a psalm that the people would have sung as they were on pilgrimage from their homes to the festivals in Jerusalem. Listen to the psalmist says, When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who dream. Then our mouth was filled with laughter and our tongue with shouts of joy. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us and we rejoiced. Restore our fortunes, O Lord, like the water courses in the Negev. May those who sow in tears reap with shouts of joy. Those who go out weeping, bearing the seed of foresowing, shall come home with shouts of joy, carrying their sheaves. This is the word of God. All right. No, 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 no. This is the word of God. Amen. Grab your seat. I have a a problem when we say thanks be to God and don't sound particularly thankful, Marlon. So it's just a little personal thing that I have. Uh, From Psalm 126, I'll spend the next few minutes from the title, An In-Between Praise. I don't need to preach very long this morning because there are just too many good things happening in this service. Things that we don't get to experience all that often. Rather, I want to frame what we are about to do when we invite you forward to offer your pledges. As we noticed last week, the generosity that we see in Scripture and the abundance that God's people assume to be true in the world runs counter to a society formed by greed and scarcity. So what precisely are we doing this morning as we make our pledges toward the down payment of the former St. Ambrose property? What are we doing? In this psalm, God's people are looking back and then they're looking forward. They are remembering when God brought them from Babylonian exile to their homeland This experience of God's faithfulness, according to the psalmist, changed how the people considered their uncertain future. God's people looked hopefully into an uncertain future. How? By praising God for his previous faithfulness. This is an uncertain time for New Community Covenant Church. We have discerned God calling us to this huge thing, to accept his invitation to become the next generation of caretakers for this property, for the good of our community. But we do not know how this will all play out. As my mentor said to me last Saturday, David, this isn't your story. It's God's story. And she is absolutely right. And for us to participate in God's story, we must continue to step into uncertainty with faith. And I want to suggest, church, that this is what we are doing today. With our pledges, we are stepping into an uncertain future with faith. 
But as Psalm 126 reminds us, while we are stepping into the unknown, we have the incredible benefit of God's previous faithfulness. This means that when God invites us into the uncertain, our posture is not one of fear or anxiety. Do you believe me? I have some convincing to do, it sounds like. No, Psalm 126 shows us that God's faithfulness gives us a very different attitude than worry or anxiety. God's faithfulness provokes our in-between praise. Marlon's talking back to me this morning. I hope a couple others of you will talk back to me this morning. Can you say in-between praise? When the Lord restored the fortunes of Zion, we were like those who what? Dreamed. I think that dreams in this passage is what God's faithfulness feels like. And there's a few different ways we could interpret the psalmist's dreaming language. That word could actually be translated as healed as well. We were like people who healed. God's faithfulness can feel like healing. God's faithfulness can feel like being put back together in the deep places. God's faithfulness can feel like being rescued from dis-ease and disequilibrium into a place of health and flourishing and shalom. Some of you, when you think back to God's faithfulness, are thinking back to healing. Because you aren't where you used to be. The sickness that used to define your life is something you have left behind. You've moved from a place of lack to a place of God's provision and providence. God's faithfulness can feel like healing. A second way we might understand that word to dream is is that feeling when you wake up from a nightmare. I, I didn't have a nightmare last night, but, but I did have this very strange dream where these... I, I watched some funny videos right before going to bed, and there was one where this bear tried to attack this guy's dog, and the guy just sucker punched the bear right in the nose, and the bear ran away. It got into my dreams last night. And so I had dreams of these big bears, like, attacking people uh, in, in my dreams last night. And I can't remember how it went. But, but one of the ways that we could think about God's faithfulness is waking up from a nightmare. Of waking up from an experience that felt like it would define the rest of our lives. Of waking up from circumstances that were so entrenched and so total and so defining that we just assumed that this was going to be our story forever. Faithfulness can feel like that, that, that thing that happens to you when you blink your eyes awake from a nightmare and you go, oh, it's over. It's in the past. I'm not in that place anymore. God's faithfulness can feel like waking up from a nightmare. And, and then a, a, perhaps a final way we might think about the dreaming of God's faithfulness would be through, through visions and forward-looking dreams. 
That, that, that when, when we experience God's faithfulness, it can be like experiencing a new vision for our life. A new dream for our life. Like getting new insight into what God wants to do. Now, we don't get to see the whole story most of the time, do we? But you have had that experience of God's faithfulness where you were stuck. You were turned around. You were confused. You didn't know what to do next. And then God came through in a certain kind of way that allowed you to say, I can see tomorrow. I can see the next step. I can see beyond this current season I'm in to something better. That's also an experience of God's faithfulness. Now, there are probably elements of all three that we are experiencing as a church right now. But but I think that last one in particular, I think God has been giving us reminders of his faithfulness that translate into a vision for tomorrow. A vision that, if we're honest, none of us would have come up with on our own. Amen. We were like people who dreamed. And the expression of that dreaming, the expression of that faithfulness, according to the psalmist, is laughter and songs of joy. When you think back to what God has done for you, when you think back to where God has brought you from, when you think back to what God has woken you up from, the appropriate response is laughter and songs of joy. There are going to be people around you say, Carla, why are you laughing? Because they don't know where God brought you from. Roshana, why are you singing songs of joy? Because everything around you looks complicated and confused, but you don't know what God woke me up from. The appropriate response to God's faithfulness is to laugh when nobody else finds anything to laugh about. And when everybody else is consumed with what's wrong, we still find a song of joy to sing because we haven't forgotten what God has done for us. Don't forget God's faithfulness to you. Because it's that faithfulness which provokes an in-between praise. A praise between what God has done and what God is going to do. A a, a praise that, that is held together from the testimony of the past and the hope for the future. That's the in between praise. And so, halfway through the psalm, the psalmist says, Restore our fortunes, Lord, like streams in the Negev. Restore our fortunes, Lord, like a a parched wilderness being saturated with rain such that the wildflowers start to bloom again. The, The tense has changed from the past to right now. God, this is what you did. But God, this is what I need you to do right now. God, God, you did this for me before. I can testify to what you did for me before. But God, now I'm here. And I need you to do this for me now. Now, some of you feel bad about that. Some of you feel like, I know what God brought me through. I shouldn't have to ask God to rescue me again. I know what God forgave me of. I shouldn't have to ask him to forgive me again. I know what God healed me from. I shouldn't have to ask for his healing again. 
I know what God did for me then. I should be able to take it the rest of the way on my own now. Can I remind us this morning that we're all human beings? And to be human is to be made dependent on God in all times. So that we don't just ask for help once. We ask for help every time we take a breath. Whether you know it or not, every time you take a breath, you're saying, help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Help me, Lord. Fill me with your air again. Fill me with your spirit again. Fill me with yourself again. Every single time. So we don't have to feel ashamed to be able to both testify to God's faithfulness and to ask God to do it again. To be able to sing songs of joy and laugh about what God has done and to say, Lord, I can't get myself out of this situation right now. I can't figure this thing out right now. I can't heal myself right now. There is no shame in that because you were made to be totally dependent on the God who made you. We might think of this as a farmer's faith. That's the metaphor that the psalmist used. He said, restore our fortunes, Lord. Like a farmer going out into his fields, into her fields. And what is the posture of the farmer as they go out sowing? Did you notice? I know some of you have your Bibles right on your lap. You could cheat. You could look. Is the, is the farmer singing? Is the farmer rejoicing? Is the farmer laughing? It's not a trick question, y'all. Help me out, Malcolm. Weeping. Crying. The farmer is going out. Now, that's strange to me. Because this is a happy psalm. This is a rejoicing psalm. This is a look what God has done psalm. And yet, the farmer goes out with tears. Weeping. Why? Because the farmer understands that there is nothing certain about sowing. That once you place the seed in the ground, it's really out of your hands. You can water it, but you can't control the sun, the clouds, the rain. That's all out of your hands. So I think that the psalmist here is describing a posture of profound humility. A posture of fear and trembling. We go out to sow weeping with tears. We go out with holy fear and awe and trembling. Why? Because none of us can make anything grow. Lord, I'm putting the seed in the ground. What are you going to do with it? What's going to happen? That's how some of us feel this morning. Some of us feel that uncertainty this morning. Maybe most of us feel that uncertainty this morning. That's a good thing because you and I don't get to control what God is going to do. That's a sense of holy fear and reverence before God as we simply take the next step. The farmer goes out with this posture of profound humility, but, but they also go out remembering God's previous faithfulness so that the Tense shifts again from the present to the future. We will reap with songs of joy. We will return with songs of joy. Do we know exactly what the harvest will be? No. 
Do we know exactly what God is going to do? No. But do we know that God is good? Do we know that God is faithful? Do we know that God is a provider? Do we know that God is always good, always generous, always gracious? Then no matter what, we're going to come back singing. No matter what, we're going to have a song of joy in our heart. No matter what, we're going to be able to testify that our God is good. Amen? I watched some of you walk into St. Ambrose. Principal Smith, we got to take the church to St. Ambrose for the first time on Wednesday night. And I got to stand in the sanctuary as many of you walked in. And I got to watch your faces. And body language says a lot. And I saw how you came out of the rectory. That's a lot bigger than I was expecting it and a whole lot messier than I was expecting it to be. They wrecked the rectory. That's right, Marlon. And I saw you walk into the sanctuary and your eyes went up and then up and then up and then up. And it just keeps going. That's that holy fear and trembling as we go out to sow. God, we can't picture how this is going to work. We can't know what you're going to do. We can't be sure of what's going to happen next. But will we choose to remember the faithfulness of our God so that we can have an in-between praise in the place of uncertainty? When we choose to remember, we can see through the uncertainty to more of God's faithfulness. When we choose to, this is the paradox of looking back. When we remember what God has done, we can see through the uncertainty to more of God's faithfulness. This means that our songs of joy should never wait until the harvest. I don't know if if you heard that or not. Our songs of joy should never wait until the harvest. Because we are not a people of certainty. We are a people of faith. We do not wait to see the thing that we think God is supposed to do for us before we give God's praise. Because if we did, we'll never give God praise. Because the thing we think God is supposed to do for us is never as good as the thing God actually wants to do for us. So we will sing our songs of joy in the sowing season. In the in-between place. Before the harvest comes. Somebody say amen. Amen. So do not wait, church. This is absolutely a season of uncertain sowing, but God's faithfulness can provoke an in-between praise. Last thing I want you to notice, verses 2 and 3. Then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. The Lord has done great things for us, and we are filled with joy. God's faithfulness to the returning exiles caught the attention of the other nations. Other people outside of Israel saw what God was doing for Israel and they started testifying to the power of God. They started to say, oh, you've got a God who can do that. Oh, you have a God who cares about you that much. Oh, you have a God who didn't forget you in exile. And the nations started to testify to the power of God. 
And it's almost like the surrounding nations reminded Israel of what God was doing for them. Because the psalmist says, uh, then it was said among the nations, the Lord has done great things for them. Period. Next sentence. You know what? The Lord has done great things for us. Oh yeah, you're right. God has done something amazing. Oh yeah, you're right. God did bring us a mighty long way from exile back to our homeland. And so the outsider's testimony encourages the people. I was at our pastor's annual conference uh, in Florida for just 48 hours back in January. And everybody was gathered in the ballroom for a session. And I found myself out in the lobby for some reason. And two of my best uh, colleague friends were there in the lobby. Both these women are pastors in the New York area, one in Harlem, one in the northern suburbs of the city. And they said, how are you doing? And I pulled out my phone and showed them the picture of, of St. Ambrose. I said, this is how I'm doing. I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm feeling like I don't know how we're going to do this. I'm feeling confused about what God is doing right now. And they wouldn't even let me finish my sentence. They were so rude, Jennifer. They wouldn't even let me finish my complaint before they started testifying to me in that lobby. And they started telling me all the things I had forgotten. Because they've been watching our church from a distance since the day we were planted. They've been hearing stories about what God has been doing in you and among us since the beginning. They have been rooting for you and praying for us for years. And so they just started testifying to me. Now, David, you, your church has been faithful with little things. And so now God is asking you to be faithful with bigger things. And, and I know this seems like a big jump, David. But, but actually, we can see how the threads from the very beginning are tied through right to this next season. Sometimes it takes the outsider. To bear witness to what God is doing in your life. If you were there on Wednesday night, you got to uh, experience First Lady D. Neal uh, uh, from Glorious Light Church and Evangelist Renee Shepherd. Now, if you weren't there, both of these are women, one who used to work at the Park District here, who have known our church intimately for years. Man, I, walked them both, I watched them both walk into that building like they own the place. <laughs> they were like, oh yeah, this is, this is perfect. This, is, this makes total sense. There was none of this, like, I don't know. It was like, oh, no, we've been knowing you, new community. We've seen what God has been doing. We understand your, 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 your faithfulness, your imperfect faithfulness. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It takes sometimes that outside perspective to be able to see God's faithfulness in our own lives. Who's testifying to you these days? The testimonies sustain us in the in-between place. The outsider's testimony allows us to be in that in-between place and remember what's what. Remember what God has done and what God wants to do. And as Christians, we always live in between. We live in between the resurrection and the return of our Savior. Always. We live in the in-between place. There is no arrival until Jesus returns. So that's true for all of us. But the fact is that some of you are really feeling that this morning. Some of you have circumstances and situations in your life where you are feeling that tug of the in-between place really strongly. I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about personal stuff in your life. Where you are feeling, like, I just want this to be resolved. I just want to be over this. I just want to be through this. I just want this prayer to be answered. You're feeling that thing really strongly today. 
the uncertainty of your life has become stronger than the memory of God's faithfulness. And all of us have been there. All of us have experienced that. And so what I would suggest to you this morning, if you find yourself in that place, is to get around some people who can testify to you. Get around some people who can remind you about what God has done in your life. Get around some people who can say to you, the Lord has done great things for you. I know you've forgotten them, so let me remind you. Let me tell you what I've seen God do in your life. Let me remind you where you used to be and where God has brought you to today. The uncertainty of your future may be making it very hard for you to remember God's faithfulness. But there are people in your life who will help you. Who will absolutely testify to you. And more than anything else, more than anyone else, if you find yourself in that place today, remember the God whose faithfulness to you was most perfectly expressed when he submitted himself to the in-betweenness of our existence. Because that's what Jesus did for you. He entered the in-betweenness of what it means to be human. In Jesus, God lived between his own eternal pre-existence and our finite mortality. God lived between holy perfection and frail temptation. God lived in Jesus between self-generated divine satisfaction and the embodied travails of a grumbling stomach and chapped lips and an exhausted body. In Christ, God was lifted onto the cross, which was planted between betrayal and acceptance, despair and hope, fear and shalom, sin and salvation, death and life. Jesus entered your in-between existence. Has tomorrow's uncertainty so clouded your vision that God's faithfulness to you has receded beyond your remembering? If so, turn to your Savior who hung between your sin and God's salvation. Turn to the Savior who dying in our in-between place, yet lifted his eyes to his Father, yet offered forgiveness to we sinners for whom he suffered. Turn to the Savior, whose body hung between heaven and hell, just as a testimony of praise to the God who never abandons his beloved, who never leaves or forsakes his daughter's And sons whose mercies are new every single morning. And so church, let the saints and the Savior testify to your uncertain heart this morning. The Lord has done great things for you. And the Lord will do great things for you. Marlon, would you, would you come on up and play for us, please? Thank you. And Pete, if you want to start bringing our kids back. God's faithfulness provokes our in-between praise. I really hope you're getting that this morning. We don't have to wait. 
Do you feel some uncertainty this morning? Raise your hand if you do. Let's be honest. Do you feel some uncertainty in your life this morning? Do you wonder what God is going to do for you, for us? That's okay. We are in the in-between place. We can look back at what God has done, even as we look forward and wonder, God, what are you going to do? But His faithfulness is so, so good, so consistent, that we can praise Him even in the in-between place. Because we can remember our God's healing. We can remember emerging from deathly shadows into new dreams and visions. We can remember the dream-like, can you believe it, experiences of His salvation. We can remember the testimonies of those around us today who can see God's miraculous movement in our life even when we can't see it ourselves. And we can Remember and turn to the Savior who abides with us in the in-between. Who can be found in the in-between. And He is working right now to provoke a praise which overcomes each of our uncertainties. And so let's pray to that Savior now. God, we are thankful for the opportunity to collectively praise you from our in-between place. In so many ways, this is just the human existence, the human experience. And we, we so often feel these things in isolation. But, but you have invited new community to a season where we get to say yes to you together. To step in faith together. To depend on you together. To open ourselves to your will and your way together. So show yourself, please, faithful to your people. In this time when we look back to what you have done and anticipate what you will do. Let us praise you from this place. Let us thank you from this place. Let us testify to you from this place. Give us songs of joy in this time and this season. Let our stepping in faith be not just an act of faith, but an experience of joy as well. As we step closer and closer to you. And so now, Lord, as we uh, turn to this time of, of, of giving our pledges. Let our worship continue. And may it be seasoned, seasoned with praise. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.